Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I'm Hammond Chamberlain. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, all right, what's he going to do for this one? Is he, the, <laughs> is he going to be the color of my melody? <laughs> I, I really don't have anything. It's just, it's 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 them. I, I can't. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if that little hint that I gave wasn't enough to tell you, we are talking today about the band 311, a band that has been around for about 30 years, 30 plus years making music and has evolved, but but only evolved in like, a bottle. Like, I think they've evolved in the same way that those uh, those fake meme uh, cats that grow up in uh, glass aquariums evolve. What? If you, have you not seen that? Like no. The, I, 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 you're on a whole different side of the internet than I am if you're watching cats <laughs> in bottles. There's somebody, and I can't remember where I saw this, but they, they grow cats in bottles so that they're bottle-shaped cats when they take them out of the bottles. It's like the watermelons and stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's clearly, it's clearly fake, but it's, it was like, somebody believed it on the internet back, you know, when, when these images okay. first came I, out. Okay, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. Yes. Well, well, don't, because you can't, because they don't exist. <laughs> and it's a good, and it's a good thing they don't. Anyway, the band is 311. <laughs> I was going to say that they've actually, I think they've actually handled growing up pretty well. I mean, they've been playing yeah. together off and on since most of the time, most of them playing together since high school. And mm-hmm. they've ridden through a lot of different phases of music popularity. They've ridden through mm-hmm. a lot of phases of their own popularity. And I feel mm-hmm. like they, they've grown up actually relatively well, better than most bands that have been together this long. So they've For evolved. Sure. They've evolved, but they're still hanging on to that root that they they had it's, when they started. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like their their sound has changed, but it hasn't changed so much that if you're a fan of album number one, you will still be a fan of album number fifteen. Yeah, they're, they're, they sense. have they don't have a Saint Anger in their their catalog. They <laughs> right right or a. Uh, uh, what's the uh, geez? I can't remember the damn name. Charlie Grimes. No, what was the uh, Chris Gaines? Chris Gaines. That's it. Exactly. They don't have a Chris Gaines in their in their uh, in their history. Yeah. Let's get to them. Let's talk about their their history here. They were formed in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, in 1988 by Nick Hexum, Jim Watson, Aaron Peanut Willis, and Chad Sexton. And later, Watson was replaced by Tim Mahoney, and Doug Martinez joined as a second vocalist uh, and on turntables. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, Their first release was an EP called Downstairs. It was released in 1989 and recorded in Hexum's basement. In 1990, they made 300 cassettes of their next release called Damn It. (laughs) Reminds me of your text tone from uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, Uh, Kimmy Schmidt. It actually featured Feel So Good, which made it onto their first album. So they were already kind of workshopping mm. stuff that, that they'd hang on to. Fully released. Yeah. Well, good thing. By 1991, they released Unity. They pressed a thousand CDs and 500 cassettes. And these were mostly sold at shows. My wife, Stacy, actually had one of these. And one of her friends actually dated Peanut. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah. Like, what was the order of operations there? Did, did she, was she a fan of the band? And then somehow got backstage and introduced her friend to Peanut or... I don't know that part. I just know that Stacy had one when we got married. And, That's uh, cool. Wow. And I, I 
wasn't actually a 311 fan, but I enjoyed mm-hmm. listening to this because I love listening to those you know, pre-signing demo, first released independent DIY albums. There's so much yeah, fun. Yeah, for sure. How, how rough did it sound compared to kind of the polish of their, it's, their newer stuff? It You could tell that it was done like on somebody's four track. And, and, hmm. and it, I mean, it didn't have, it wasn't polished by any stretch, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll stick a sample of it in right about here. I know it's lame, but I haven't got a better one yet. Check it out. Oh, I just heard it. It was right there. Wow, that was amazing. How'd you do that? It was magic. Uh, in uh, <laughs> Shortly after that, they started headlining shows. There's a song called Spooky Breakfast that was recorded and then lost, which I wish oh, I had. No. So, it's a great, that's a great, it's like lost media, but I'd love to hear Spooky Breakfast. I'd love to hear a song called Spooky Breakfast. In 1992, they recorded a six-track demo called uh, Hydroponic hmm. and moved to LA. Uh, it was only a couple months after they moved that they had a signed record deal. Wow. Good for them, man. It doesn't surprise me because that first album feels, doesn't feel like a band's debut album. It feels very clean, very well put together. Um, really, really good. And the hydroponic, the, the demo <laughs> being called hydroponic, they threw out their, throughout their thing, their sound, their whole vibe. It's like, tell me you smoke pot without actually telling me you smoke pot, basically is what <laughs> First album, 1993's Music, the single Do You Write, got some radio airplay and reached number 27 on the Modern Rock tra- uh, tracks. And the album was produced by Eddie Offord, who had worked with Yes and ELP, which is weird because they're super proggy bands. I think he's great, but I'm wondering if he was not the right guy for them. I mean, it he, yeah. he, he was used to working with, you know, Trevor Horn and, prog and more folks. proggy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I do think there was an influence later on, and I'll talk about that as we get there, but it's not the one you think. Okay. <laughs> Around this time, they paid for their own tour. They drove an old RV, one time heading uh, for a show in Omaha. The RV caught fire. The band had to jump through the fire to safety. All of their equipment and possessions were lost, and they had to borrow gear to finish the tour. 1994, they released the album Grassroots. Uh, The muddy tone of the album was intentional. Like a, like a weird production compression kind of thing. Applied Science is, a, is still a staple at uh, 311 shows. And one critic said this album was like the Beastie Boys meets the Spin Doctors. Which, I love that now description. Now say it, yeah, now that I hear it, I totally hear it. I totally can. The Beastie Doctors. 1995 saw the release of their self-titled album. I have this one. This is also known as the Blue Album. 
This album was recorded live with everyone playing and not tracking the instruments separately. Don't Stay Home, Don't Stay Home reached number 29 on the modern rock tr- uh, track charts. This was almost in my list until I realized it was a greatest hit, so I pulled it off. but still had plenty of stuff for my playlist. 14 months later, they released Down, and that hit on the radio and got them playing on late-night TV shows and over on MTV. All Mixed Up also charted well. I wanted to follow that with Don't Know What to Do. It also charted well and saw them play on more late-night TV shows. They played Conan and Letterman, and I bet you both of them had a really good time. They, I feel like they would have enjoyed okay. them. They look like they, and, and maybe Stacy can confirm this, but they look like they'd be a really fun band to see in concert. I was, I'm assuming, which is great. 1997 saw the release of Transistor, the first of their er albums, even though it's not an ear. Uh, this debuted at number four on the album charts and went platinum. Some saw this album as overly long and self-indulgent. Yeah, it had 21 tracks and three hidden tracks. Yo, so Jeez. yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Self-indulgent. But short tracks, right? Because obviously it wasn't released as a double album. How Dream Theater of them, right? <laughs> well, Dream Theater is more, uh, I was going to say quality over quantity, but it's more like length, individual song length yeah, over it's, quantity. That, that'd be two two songs and three hidden tracks. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this saw them move away from a more hip-hop sound to more of a reggae sound. And the title track as well as Prisoner and Beautiful Disaster were released as singles. Another one I really liked was Beautiful Disaster. I actually like that one too. I like that one Yeah, I'm a big fan of their... uh, their hits. I'm mean, a fan of their other music too, but their hits are, are hits for a reason. 1998, they also released a live album and a compilation called The Omaha Sessions. 1999 saw the release of Sound System, Come Original, reached number six on the modern rock charts. You got to come original, you got to come The song Flowing featured Eddie K. Thomas in the video, and he's an actor known for uh, being in the uh, the American Pie series, the American Pie series. Oh, that's right. I remember him. Yep. Uh, In 2000, they purchased a recording studio, and every album since has been recorded in The Hive in Southern California. Hopefully, they don't set that on fire. 2001 saw the release of From Chaos, You Wouldn't Believe, featured none other than Shaquille Steal O'Neal in the video. (laughs) And I'll Be Here a While and Amber were also released as singles.
was an enhanced CD that had interviews with the band on it as well. And this is prime inter, uh, enhanced CD years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It seemed like everyone was putting out, you know, some extra thing that like came in this really ugly QuickTime logo folder yeah. that, you know, if you put the the CD on your uh, And you got a poached stamp video with terrible audio quality. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so bad. Also, by um, the way, that, proof that yeah. you don't read the notes ahead of time is the fact that you just powered through <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal's name. Oh, I know. You know, I, I was like, Steel, is that his nickname? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal played Steel, the, the Superman uh, <laughs> uh, clone, which I guess, yeah, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't attributed to the death of Superman in the films, but um, that's where he came from. Uh, Enlarged to Show Detail was a documentary that uh, they made in 2001. It also contained a CD of four bonus songs. 2003 saw Evolver. This was an enhanced CD that had a featurette about making the album cover. Creatures for a while and Beyond the Gray Sky were singles released from this one. That we hold A firecracker flash of light Then onto the next plane So remain Come along If you dare It's gonna be That you're scared This was their first studio album to not get an RIAA certification. In the summer, they launched their Unity Tour, G-11 Special Sauce, or and Something Corporate open for them. Not familiar with Something Corporate, but G-11 Special Sauce and or perfect fits for these guys. Yeah, I, I, I know special, I know G-11 Special Sauce. I don't know or or corporate people. And I'm, and I'm trying to remember if it's or, if it, or if they pronounce it O-A-R. Oh. They might pronounce it O-A-R. I can't remember. Hmm. Uh, 2004 saw their cover of The Cure's Love Song hit number one on the modern rock chart. It was also number 59 on the Billboard charts. Which means you can't put it on your list. Nope, I, and I didn't. This is also on the soundtrack for Fifty First Dates. I've I've found a, uh, I've got a much better cover. I like that cover of Love Song, but uh, I found one I liked a lot. It's more like one that. of two Cure songs I know. <laughs> we better put these guys on the list. <laughs> those those first Cure albums are tough for the uninitiated. Man, I'll just let you know right now, but they're uh, good. I'm in for the. I'll, I'm in. In for the long haul. Yeah. They released a uh, greatest hits album called 93 to 03. It had two new songs, How Do You Feel and First Draw. The way it feels when you just let it flow. Sometimes I wonder just how it can be. We take care of it before we see it off the rails. I think that you should know. You never cease to to the last draw. I like that. In the summer of 2004, they played a free show in Omaha for the city's 175th anniversary. They changed all of their pot-related lyrics in order that they played, in the order they played the show, in order to play the show. It tells you how much they love their hometown. Yes, no kidding, to, to change their lyrics. And again, Omaha, you would not, you know, not think of like a, a big band coming from Omaha. But uh, sure enough, these guys... Did and did well. 
2005 saw the release of Don't Tread On Me. The title track charted well on the modern rock chart, hitting number two. And in 2007, 311 recorded a cover of Toots and the Maytals' Reggae Got Soul for the timeless animated classic, Surf's Up. Ah, yes. We all have a copy of that somewhere in our libraries, don't we? I know I do, because I have kids. Yeah. Oh, do you really? Okay, I was joking. I was trying to remember, uh, trying to even remember it, but... <laughs> it actually has a really, really subtle masturbation joke about this, the surfer penguin polishing his trophies at home by himself. Oh, really? <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, uh, 2009, Uplifter came out. Uh, Bob Rock produced this album. I, I really love the feel of this album. As a matter of fact, pretty much from Uplifter forward, there, there weren't any tracks on any of these albums that I didn't like. It was like, ah, oh, this is all really good stuff. Uh, Uplifter debuted at number 23 on the album charts. Hey You and It's All Right were released as singles. Could have been even released as the same song. Hey, you, it's all right. So I have a question, though. Bob Rock's fingerprints are all over that album. And they're all over, yeah. like, the Black Album that Metallica did. They're all over yeah. a bunch of other people, uh, you know, the pop metal sensations of the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if Bob Rock's style of production is something that you kind of gravitate, gravitate toward. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I need to do a Bob Rock-produced uh, playlist and just listen to things that he's produced uh, over the years and and see how much of it just resonates with me. Yeah, because I, I, we've talked enough about Bob Rock doing the show over the last nine seasons that you've mm-hmm. always kind of landed on some of the Bob Rock stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll bet I'll bet there is something there. Pro- uh, producers, I don't know why, but if when I find a producer that I totally connect with. I really connect with them. Greg Kirsten being the biggest example of that with the stuff that he did for Lily Allen, Sia. He's uh, half of the bird and the bee. He's produced so much great stuff. And a lot of times it's just kind of in the, you know, in the shadows, in the background, and you don't know that he's involved. But but these days I can hear a track that's produced by him and I can usually pick up if it's a, if it's a Greg Kirsten produced track. It reminds me that I do need to hit up his um, discography again and just see if there's anything new that's been released that that I don't know about because I don't unlike other unlike bands I don't find out when there's a new album that's produced by Greg Kirsten like I know when there's a new Squeeze album I know when there's a new Crowded House album but there's not a thing that says hey there's a new album that's that's done by that producer that you really like. And there, there should be a way to do that. So speaking of knowing when albums come out, did you ever subscribe yeah. to ice magazine? Ice? No. Uh-uh. So ice magazine came out monthly and the first like seven pages, maybe were all dedicated to a date and then a list of everything that's coming out that date and then another date and everything that's coming out that date. And they did it every month and kept you updated on things coming out and then they'd have articles about the things they covered in that list. So 
if hmm. something was coming out in like August, they'd have this kind of larger article about this album and who's producing it and all that kind of stuff. But that's cool. It was the most amazing magazine. And I subscribed to it for like <laughs> two years, th- two or three years. And I kept them all. And then that's really cool. Then they, they closed up shop. And then I remember to pat out the end of my subscription, they sent me a bunch of Rolling Stones or billboards. <laughs> it was billboards. Oh, right. It was billboards. Yeah. When Entertainment Weekly went under, they switched us over to um, People Magazine. I'm yeah. like, oh, great. Yeah. Great. Thanks a lot for that. Yeah. That new Gorilla Zone, by the way, is produced by um, Greg Kirsten, that Cracker Island. Um, there, so, talking about what you're talking about, um, I subscribe to All Music, which every Friday tells me all the new albums that have been released this week, like that came out this Friday. Okay, cool. But it does. It just doesn't say. It doesn't tell me. No, um, yeah, yeah. It's not going to give you the the, the the details. It just tells you what it is. Right. But exactly. I used to go through and build wish lists by marking the the, mm. the magazine as I went. That's really cool. Like just circling it like, yeah, it was like, <laughs> like you're going through the Sears catalog, yep. the toy section of the Sears catalog. And I would go say, through it every month, like homework yeah. assignment. I mean, I could tell you when it was coming out, when was coming, what was coming out when. And I, I mean, I was, I was relatively yeah. fluent at that stuff because I was studying it. That's cool. <laughs> See, that's, that's, these, these are what dedicated fans of music did in the days before just streaming yep. downloads you know, what single just came out or what, you know, what's on this playlist kind of thing. We, this is how we found out about new releases and new music before the internet. And the key to it though, was you had a couple friends who each did it. And if you missed something, that other friend would would, have it. They would pick up on it and say, Hey, did you know there's a new Mm -hmm. Nick Kershaw album? You'd be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So that's also not just the homework you do for yourself, but it's that you need to have a little (laughs) network of nerds that you worked, you worked with to make sure you nothing got through the net. Yeah. Oh, I miss, I miss that, that nerd work. <laughs> All right. Anyway, 2011 saw the release of, of Universal Pulse. Of course, 311 has to release an album in 2011. Uh, again with Bob Rock uh, production. <laughs> it's almost written like, ah, again with Bob Rock. <laughs> I didn't even realize I'd done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. Sunset in July was released as a single, and this album only had eight songs on Averaging out from uh, the the excess of of uh, transistor. <laughs> uh, twenty twelve marked the tenth anniversary of the Unity tour. Uh, twenty fourteen Stereolithic. This was their first indie release since Unity. Uh, 2014, they released another live album called 311 with the Unity Orchestra. And for nine of those songs, they were accompanied by a symphony orchestra. And they are all playing uh, different sizes of bongs. Yeah, I'm sure. Exactly. It's like uh, bongs with with reeds (laughs) basically (laughs) inserted into them. 311 Archive is a four-disc set that featured 81 unreleased B-sides and demos. And this was released in 2015. 2017 saw the release of Mosaic. This was partially funded through Pledge Music. I remember Pledge Music. Is that the one that disappeared or yep. is it was it Indiegogo? Yeah, no, Pledge it, Music. It was Pledge Music because that's where Alan Parsons' Mystery of Tales and Imagination first came out. 
Mm. And I pledged money and it went down before it totally came out. So I had to wait and wait and wait. And finally, I somehow I ended up with it. It was weird. But Uh, um, UB40 did one of their last albums with Pledge of Music. And basically, Pledge of Music shut down right after I got my album. So I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. I got uh, Jordan Rudis's classical composition uh, Mm. album right before they shut down. Wow. Yeah. Gotta love the uh, serendipity of that. With Mosaic, by the way, they encourage their fans to send pictures of themselves to use on the cover to make that giant mosaic. Too much to think, too late, and till the city's on fire, I'll begin with tea. And we're released as singles. In 2018, The Offspring covered Down and 311 reciprocated by doing a cover of Self-Esteem. I need to find that. I did not know that existed. Twenty nineteen saw the release of Voyager. This is their first album since nineteen ninety five, not to debut in the top ten, but the album cover. Speaking of, I brought up Yes earlier and their influence. This album looks like it was it was painted by the 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 guy, and I wish I could remember his name because it wasn't Phil Hartman, but Phil Hartman was around doing album covers. No, those days. oh my gosh, what's his name? He did all the Yes yeah. covers. Greg Greg Ham, is that right? Ah. Uh... Something Ham, not Peter Ham. No, Peter Ham. Um, no. I'm trying to pull it from my head. So if you're googling, good. But I'm trying to figure I'm, out from I'm, my head. Yeah, you've got you've got until oh Roger Dean. That's it, Roger Dean. Yeah, Shoot, Roger Dean. I wish I'd beaten you to it. I had Dean. I did too. I'm very disappointed in you because that's you know that guy's like when you when you uh, pop a, a needle into a. Uh, a prog vein outcomes the artwork of Roger Dean. No, (laughs) I had Dean. I just didn't know if it was the first or last name. I just, Oh yeah. Yeah. I had Dean. Yeah. Peter Ham's the guy who did all the, um, yellow submarine artwork. If I remember correctly. Okay. No, Roger Dean, his stuff is amazing. And it's, it's as identifiable as any of the Eddie artwork from Iron Maiden. You just, Mm, as soon as you see it, you're like, Oh yeah, I know that it is. Right, right. Okay, and we're going to get emails. Peter Ham is the lead singer of Badfinger. Oh, is he an artist too? I bet he draws. Uh, he probably doodles. <laughs> 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 All right, now it's going to drive me nuts if I don't figure out who the Yellow Submarine artist is. Peter Max. Okay, that's Peter Ham, Peter Max. I feel like I, I feel like I can be forgiven for that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and if if you order into the uh, if you went to a barbecue place, you could actually get, get the max ham. I could. I could say, could you give me the max amount of ham, Peter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then every the hey. world and the world would look like a Roger Dean picture when you were done. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least the ground in front of me would. Uh, Twenty. So talking about Voyager from 2019. Good feeling. Don't you worry. Crossfire. We're we used to see. Set us up for the economy of bad feet, back in the feet. I 
And they also released an instrumental version of this album, which is really cool. I love that because I really like their, like the arrangements of their music. So hearing an instrumental version is like, this is a great way to, to listen to this without being distracted by vocals if I want to have it on while I'm working, for example. Oh, I was going to say, it'd probably be great lift music. It might actually. You know what? I'll try that next time I'm driving today. Enlarged to show detail three was another documentary that was shown in theaters for just one day. It's 311 minutes long. Uh, In 2022, it's not really. In 2022, Peanut announced that he was taking a break from the band to spend time with family and friends. Do you know, is Peanut the guy who does the rap stuff or the... No, he's the drummer. He's the drummer. Okay. Oh, drum. I really love the drums. I don't know why, but the drum, the the gated drum sound that they have, I really, really dig. Also, he's a solid drummer. He's, I mean, he's not gonna... Yeah. He's not gonna rank up there with Pert, but for the job, he's the right guy for the job. And 100% is the right guy. You know, I've had lots of conversations with people where if you try to change out drummers, like if you put Lars into Motley Crue and Mm -hmm. Tommy Lee into Metallica, they're not going to be successful bands. It's just not going to work. However, they are the right people for the right job. It's a, yeah, it's a fit thing that goes beyond just them being able to back the band with, with beats. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like a, it's like how well do they fit the whole feel of the band? Yeah, for sure. Uh, in 2021, they released Mardi Gras 2020, which is another live album. Uh, and, and there you go. Uh, Hammond, tell me some uh, statistics and general notes for 311. And starting in 2000, they started celebrating 311 Day on March 11th. They do huge concerts every other year. They've done those in Las Vegas, New Orleans, Memphis. They've done live streams and they've done cruise ships. I imagine 2020 was the year of the live stream. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. They go That's to New cool. Orleans a lot. Do they? It's yeah. an interesting, interesting choice for them for, uh, for their, their vibe. Cause they don't really, you know, there's not a, a Cajun-y kind of sound to their stuff. I would say like Burning Man would be there. Well, <laughs> would so be their, their, you know, guaranteed location every year. I wasn't thinking more about sound. I was thinking about just party atmosphere and New Orleans yeah. knows how to get down. They do. Yeah, this is true. Very cool. Well, let's get into uh, the Stairway to Heaven song. So let's say you get to see them in concert. Um, what is the song that they're guaranteed to do? Hammond, give me a list. All right. So I picked uh, All Mixed Up, Beautiful Disaster, Come Original, but I think my choice is Down. I think down is a good choice because it's it's early on, um, you know, it's, it's their first album. I would have um, also thrown Amber somewhere in the list, but just because I could see them doing, but Amber came out so late in their career that they wouldn't have had time to do their early concerts, whether or wouldn't have been able to do all their early concerts. But I always think of like, you know, if they're if they're asked to play Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve and they get to do one song, Amber is probably the song that they do as opposed to Down. Uh, Down, by the way, is number one. Followed by Applied Science, All Mixed Up, Beautiful Disaster, Amber, Come Original, Creatures for a while, feels so good. Do you right? Freeze time. 
rounding out the top 10. Uh, their most frequent played uh, uh, cover in concert is a song called Who's Got the Herb, which is a cover of somebody named HR. I don't know HR. Puffin but stuff. If it's HR Puffin stuff. Yeah, that's that was my first thought, which would be great if HR Puffin stuff had a song. I wonder if HR Block and HR Puffin stuff are related. <laughs> well, it's not H&R Puffin stuff. I know. <laughs> but that would be really funny, like a tax agency called H&R Puffin stuff. Like, did you bring all your receipts, dude? <laughs> uh, Love Song by The Cure, also one frequently done in concert. Wow. They do a lot. They must do a lot of either long concerts or... Um, just a lot of them because they have a ton of songs that they've done in concert. Ooh, Jamaica by Led Zeppelin, another one that they do in concert. I would love to hear that. I bet I can find that online. Uh, all right, so 311, uh, there you go. Speaking of covers, by the way, let's do our pick for who you would like to hear them cover. And I'll go first. Uh, for me, uh, I wanted something that fit their vibe and I wanted something that that could be improved or, or at least reimagined with some uh, warbled uh, amber guitar, gated drums, and that style of vocals that uh, the 311 has. Even, even potentially a rap interlude I'd be fine with. My choice is A Pirate's Life for Me, the song from Pirates of the Caribbean from, from uh, the Disneyland attraction. Because I feel like they could really, they could have so much fun with that. Throw some horns in there. Yeah. I think you might be right. I also think you're still basking in the light of Gene Simmons singing Wish Upon a Star. From last week. Oh, maybe, maybe. What did I do last week for Kiss? Did I? I didn't do a Disney song. No, again, but did you, I? no, but Gene Simmons sang "Wish Upon a Star," so I think he did. You're just, yeah. I think you're just pulling at the Gene maybe. Simmons yeah. string a little bit too hard. <laughs> no, because that's from a movie, and Pirates' Life for me isn't from a movie. That's <laughs> yeah, like from is. a ride. That's a whole different thing. No, they sang it at the in uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean. The well, first they one. retrofitted it into the movie. Yes, but. <laughs> When You Wish Upon a Star came out with, with uh, Pinocchio. With, and, with Batman uh, Pooping Snakes. Yeah, with Batman Pooping Snakes. That's right. No, that was Peter Pan. Come on now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Pirate's Life for Me debuted with the ride, as, as uh, well it should. Uh, I stand behind it, and, uh, um, and, and whether, whether Gene Simmons was involved in the <laughs> sub, sort of subconscious involvement is to be decided, but. <laughs> Who knows? Hammond, what's your pick? All right. So I, I went to something that's older, but I also went to something that I think they could also have a very good time with. Uh, and I picked Pepper by the Butthole Surfers. Uh, <laughs> if they do like a, a reggae swing to this and really do it up cool with the 311 style, mm. I think this could be a, a smash hit for them. <laughs> totally could. See, there's another band. Like we, we've barely, uh, we haven't even brought up, you know, a band that I, I feel like they... They remind me of, but they do things better than, which is Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. And thinking, all right, 311 could, you know, open for the Chili Peppers or could have it back in the day. Um, thinking about Butthole Surfers and Henry Rollins. Mm -hmm. That's another, that's a completely different style of music, but it would fit with their stuff. Same with Tuts and the Maytals. Same with The Offspring. Like these guys, even though their sound, 
fits in a in a you know specific vibe and a specific feel. There, it's kind of like uh, soy sauce. It's their 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 sound goes with everything. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they can they they can kind of adapt and and fit with um uh with other musicians really really well. So I mean, I I think a, a great bill would have been Three Eleven and Sublime. That would have been an awesome. Oh bill. yeah, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. It could have been, um, and then throw yeah. in Cypress Hill. Exactly. Like, could you imagine the cloud in that? Uh, <laughs> that would have to be outdoors, man. There's no way. <clears throat> no way. The mission be. ballroom would float away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's get to our playlist. This is where we pick a few songs that you could uh, bundle with their greatest hits and get a a full experience of the band. I picked six this time around, I know, I five and a cover. Yeah, it, and uh, I easily could have. I feel like I could have even done more than that. Like there were a lot of songs in those later albums. Like, oh man, I love this song, but I've already got my five, so I'm just gonna stick with that. First one is uh, Champagne. Because it's just not how I plan to. This comes from the From Chaos album. Uh, it's like the band said, we need a song that's a lot like Amber, but Brian can put it into his playlist without breaking the greatest hits rule. Uh, <laughs> uh, this song uses the same guitar style, which I freaking love. Same guitar style as Amber. I, I, I love that song, but I think, I think Champagne does it in a, in a, in a, you haven't heard this a million times way. And I really, um, I really, really like that. Uh, don't dwell. Every time I give me you feel the gravity. You look so sad to me. Tell me how could that be? Ah, she said things I obsess. I would never confess. From Evolver is my second choice. Not only is this a good song, it's good life advice, and it's probably among all of my tracks, probably the one that's got the hardest edge to it, which this song still has a very light, very chill vibe to it. So it's not that hard edged, but I think that is the stuff that I tended to, to um, connect with was like the second half of their catalog where they were doing a little bit less of the Rage Against the Machine style rap, which I did enjoy. I still like that stuff, but um, color me surprised. Yeah, I know. I, that's what I was thinking. Like, I wonder if our our libraries, our our playlist picks, are going to be like mirror images of each other. Like, you pick mostly from the first half of the catalog. I pick mostly from the second half. I kind of was all over. If you look at mine, I'm kind of all over. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you certainly are. Look at that. Third one for me is Daisy Cutter from Uplifter. I like their use of female harmonies in this one. They they use it super duper sparingly. So uh, when you hear it, it's kind of like a, oh yeah, that's cool. That's a cool new thing. Daisy Cutter, really cool track. 
waitlist from Universal Pulse. This almost feels like it could have been a Coldplay song or a Sia song, but it's 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 just that like arena rock alt alternative rock positive feel to it, and um, very much a Three Eleven song, but easily you could almost hear versions by Sia or uh, or Coldplay. I actually think someone from Three Eleven might punch you in the nuts for saying they sound like Coldplay. For, well, I'm not saying they sound like Coldplay. Oh, okay. I'm saying that that could be okay. that could be a Coldplay song, like right. the the lyrics and the vibe of the song. And you know what? I'll I'll stand behind. I think Coldplay is a is a good band. I think they're really talented, and um, I don't think they deserve the the crap that a lot of people give them. They're the Nickelback of AM radio. Oh hell no! Gosh no! <laughs> Creed Creed is the Nickelback of AM radio. <laughs> Uh, stereo, let's see, that was, uh, no, Stereolithic. And, uh, the very last song on the album, Came up with that, like got to that last track, and I'm like, oh my god, I have to put this on my list. It's just so cool and mellow. Totally dig it. And then my pick is uh, White Man and Hammersmith Palais. This is a cover from the Clash tribute called Burning London. And uh, uh, my notes say, do you think I'd let a cover this good slip by me? I would have been disappointed if 311 didn't put this in their own style. And guess what? I'm not disappointed. This this feels like a 311 track. And if I didn't know the Clash song and I heard this separately from that, I'd think it was a 311 song because it feels like it's so much um, in their in their zone. To, and just to sh- prove that Brian is true to his word, that is exactly verbatim what his notes read. So <laughs> we're verbatim, except for the one typo where I said, didn't up this in their style. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can't, listen, I can't do everything. I can't <laughs> both, you know, read from my notes and spell things correctly. That's uh, not what I'm about. Uh, Hammond, tell me about your picks. All right. Well, my first one I picked is unity. It's from music. This is an early glimpse of how they can mash up genres. Also, this song became such a, a, I'll say, unifying idea for the band with their Unity Days, and it really does symbolize. Yeah, it really does symbolize something to them. So, I mean, having picking it make almost feels like I'm, I don't know, validating that they they, it means something to them. Yeah. I think so. I think it's certainly, certainly recognized that this is more than just a, 
a track that happens to share the name with, um, you know, with their orchestra, their yeah. tours and stuff. But yeah, it's a great example of what they can do when they're like, oh, we want to do a little of this style and a little of that style and a little of this style. Uh, my second one is Jack O'Lantern's Weather, and it's from 311. There are hints of chili peppers and a little bit of Rage Against Machine, but it's less angry, mm-hmm. and I kind of like it. This is this was a good pick. This was one I almost put in my list, so um, really, really dug it. And then my third one is Inner Light from Transistor. This one's way, way more singing than others. And I mm-hmm. love the way that you've used just the elements of sound in this. It really like engulfs you when you listen to it with headphones on. It's it's amazing. And even I listen to it in my car. I'm like, wow, this is a song built for a car. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of their stuff works really well with uh, the acoustics in a car, for sure. Let's see. Oh, then number four is Sometime Jack's Rule the Realm from Evolver. This is such a huge songwriting step forward for them in both arrangement and lyric. It is just a more mature, complicated piece of of arranging and thinking about how music works with itself. And this is them growing up. And I really, really dug this one. And then my last one is uh, Space and Time from Voyager. This is a cool, cool ska, reggae-influenced tune. And they've kind of gone back full circle with this one. But it's more, you can tell they've aged. They've matured. They've gotten better. And this is a great, like, unity is the first and space-time is the end. And you feel like you've kind of gone through the whole journey. Yeah. 311, the space odyssey. Kind of, for sure. And and very very space-y without being intentional about that it's spacey without being pink floyd let's just call it what it is yeah right there we go that's a good uh it's funny you say that because there were there was a couple songs i was thinking god i could actually hear some pink floyd influence in this one and um which surprised the hell out of me very good yeah this i really enjoyed this week i knew i was gonna like it but i enjoyed it a lot more than even i expected i think i liked it a lot more because we were coming off kiss this is such a great departure from kiss yeah and I'm not, yeah, I'm I not, wonder. I wonder how much. All right, I wonder how much that had an influence on it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not pitching hate toward. I'm not pitching a lot of hate toward Kiss, but that was a <laughs> lot of Kiss. And it I just was edited so much Kiss, and yeah. I edited the show just this yesterday, and it was even more Kiss for me than for you. So you're welcome. 
I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. I, I you don't get you don't get the thanks enough that you deserve for for having to do that sort of thing. It's uh it's recognized and it's appreciated, Hammond. But yeah, I, I think that this was a, a fantastic pendulum swing in a different direction. I'm not even saying it's opposite. I'm just saying different direction than KISS was. And mm-hmm. I think that really did affect how I took in the music. Yeah, I I I knew I would enjoy it either way. And I don't know. It's, it's impossible for us to know how much more or less we would have enjoyed it had uh, KISS not been uh, right before it. You know, and, and before going into it, I was... Uh, I would have thought I was more familiar with Kiss than I was 311, but obviously not. Obviously, coming in off of off of Crowded House being right before it, yeah. it's that that would be a tough spot for any band. But um, <laughs> but if you would have asked me beforehand, I would have said, yeah, you know, Kiss. I know enough of their stuff that that this will this will be fine, and it just wasn't fine. I'm really <laughs> I am really really afraid that Kiss Army is going to come after us. Whatever, I can take it. Yeah. They're all like 80. <laughs> They're all 80 and hard of hearing. No, huh? I'm just kidding. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Hammond, who are we going to be talking about next time? So a band that I don't know a lot about. There are a couple of songs of theirs that existed in the ether while I was in college, but I don't know much mm-hmm. about them. And that would be They Might Be Giants. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one because I was a huge fan of They Might Be Giants and I kind of drifted off, you know, kind of looking at their their releases, I drifted off about eight albums into their catalog, eight to 10 albums into their catalog. So there's, you know, 20 some albums. Yes. I, I, I'm excited for, they might be giants. The only thing I really, I mean, I know, I know uh, Istanbul, but I actually know a cover by mm. a group called vocal point. They're a BYU acapella band. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a fantastic cover version of it. And then mm-hmm. I know like two others, but, they Might Be Giants version is a cover I, I knew of that. an acapella I, group yeah, by I knew called that. The Four Lads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go then. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, excellent. That is going to do it for this edition of Soundographer. If you want to get in touch with us, I want you to get in touch with us. Hammond wants you to get in touch with us. You want to get in touch with us, use the email address soundographypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or threads at the Soundography. We're available on uh, Instagram as well, because we had to be. You can uh, visit our website, soundography.com. When you get there, you're going to look around. You're going to say, hey, these are all of their episodes, every single one of them. Yeah, they're all right there. And each one contains show notes with a link to our playlist from Spotify, a link to where you can buy the songs. For this one, I'll go with one of their greatest hits, I think, because they're all so solid. Uh, And a link to support us on Patreon. If you do that, you get extra bonus episodes all the time, as well as bloopers. We make them. You want to hear them. They're bloopers. And that's how you get them. Uh, Patreon.com slash soundography. If you love our show, leave a review where other people can find it. And um, that helps other people discover the magic and the majesty of soundography. Hammond, anything to close us out? I guess I'm just excited to learn about They Might Be Giants because I don't know if they are giants or not. I'm going to have to find out. Oh, yeah. That'll be the first thing you have to find out, isn't it? Fantastic. Well, then uh, we'll, let's get to it. That'll happen next week. On behalf of Hammond Chamberlain, this is Brandon Bitt saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography. <laughs>